The following program was pre-recorded on WFAN. It's time for Hello, My Name is Craig, our weekly candid conversation about gambling addiction. It's supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Now, here's Craig Carton. Good morning and welcome to another edition of Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, of course, and for the next 30 minutes, a... Open, honest, uh, no uh, holds barred conversation on addiction and specifically uh, gambling addiction. Joining me as always from Epic Risk Management and still a consultant for the New Jersey Council on Compulsive Gambling, our dear friend Dan Trelaro. Danny, good morning. How are you? Craig, I'm doing great. It's October. It's fall. It's Yankee baseball time. I'm doing great. Well, fingers crossed on the Yankee baseball stuff, but uh, <laughs> we'll get to that. And I'm very happy to welcome in uh, Nancy W., Nancy's in Kansas and is uh, nice enough to join us this morning to talk about uh, her personal story with gambling. Nancy, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, Craig, thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here. I, I guess I should ask to start off with, you know, how long have you gone without gambling at this stage of your life? Actually, um, today, it, well, yesterday, I celebrated 10 months. Wow, congratulations. That's great. Thank you. I really appreciate it. It's uh I feel good about it. It's been one day at a time, but uh, sure. it feels good. Well, one day at a time gets you to 10 months. It gets you to two years. It gets you to a lifetime. Your fingers crossed. Let, let's go back in time. Uh, do you remember the first time you were exposed to gambling or you kind of discovered gambling? So I do, it, and it took a while to figure that out, but um, I was in a writing the steps group, and through doing my autobiography, uh, I realized that I had been exposed to gambling at a very young age uh, when I used to spend the night with my grandparents and my grandmother and her friends would uh, play mahjong for money in the living room set up at a card table and my grandfather and his friends would um, smoke cigars and, and play poker uh you know, for money in sure. the den. And um, I believe that was the first time I was exposed. And the first time I actually gambled myself was probably around nine or 10 years old when my great-grandfather uh, taught me and my siblings how to play uh, nickel-dime, uh, five-card draw, and seven-card stud uh, around our dining room table. Got it. So at, at, at that point, I'm sure this, you know, it's fun, it's recreational, you're doing it with a great-grandfather, it's a family uh, type of thing. Do you remember as a teenager starting to gamble outside of the house or, you know, with uh, friends or trying to find a card game or doing other types of gambling? Not at all. I've never um, really gambled that much uh, as a teen or a young adult. Um, never went to Vegas. I've never, still never been to Vegas. Um, never had a desire to do any of that. Um, myself and my siblings, particularly my brother, uh, we grew up and we would bet each other on everything. My brother up until my brother and I up until I stopped gambling, um, we would walk into before we'd walk into a restaurant together, we would bet each other if our server was going to be wearing glasses or not and whoever lost had to pay for the meal. Got uh, it. Things like that. But um I never was uh and I used to bet on the Super Bowl I'd, I'd, I'd bet on a football game or a college basketball game. 
Um, never even really started going to casinos until I was in my mid to late forties. Wow. Okay. So, do you, when looking back on your life with clarity, do you think those wagers between your brother or those types of things were problematic, or did it did it not happen for you until you got into your forties that gambling became a, a, a problem for your life? I think it wasn't until my the later decades of my life that um, you know when casinos. Um, started uh, branching out from Vegas and Atlantic City, uh, and they started doing the riverboats in uh, Missouri, uh, and uh, and I started going. Uh, I didn't realize it then. Right. And I wasn't, of course, going all the time. I, I, my brother would fly in from Atlanta. Him and my mom and my sisters would go play blackjack or go play other card games. Uh, and I, you know, we'd go, I'd lose a few hundred dollars. It was no big deal. And, uh, I don't think it became problematic for me, although obviously it was in me until I started going by myself. And even at that point, um, I didn't realize it was problematic. I know that now, but I did not know that then. You know, Dan, I'll bring you in on this. You know, it's a typical refrain that, you know, it started off as a family event or, you know, an, an older relative kind of introduced someone to it. And it was harmless at the time, but it kind of laid the seeds for it later became a problem. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we, we it's it's so amazing when we hear these stories and each one is, is slightly different, but there's so many similarities. You know, it's social, it's family, it's a, it's, it's a good time with grandparents, great grandparents. So you get that big win early that we always talk about in the eyes of a child has nothing to do with money. It has to do with spending time and connection. And then, you know, Nancy, I think you're so spot on there. You started to see it becoming a problem when you started to do it alone, more isolating. So it's starting to shift at that point. But but 100 percent starts early and they only see the good good times. So what was your what turned out to be your game of choice, uh, Nancy? And then and how how bad did the addiction become for you as far as time spent and and money uh, dedicated to it. So my game of choice ended up ended up being slot machines. Uh, at the end, my game of choice was slot. Um, I uh, the addiction got so bad that uh, I stopped going to work, and I would wake up at three a.m. in the morning uh, with every intention of going to work. I used to go to work. At, I had to be there at eight. So I wanted to get four or five hours of gambling in and I didn't want anybody to sit at my machine before I did. And so I would leave the house about 3 a.m., get casino by 3.30 and uh, I would gamble and I'd either hit a jackpot or I knew it was going to hit. I was a spin counter, just like people are mathematical on the tables. I was a spin counter and uh, there was only, I got down to where I only played one or two slots and um, I didn't play in the high limit areas, but I played machines that max bet was five or ten dollars. And um, it really wasn't about the money, you know. A jackpot of five or ten grand was enough mm-hmm. for me, and um, so it turned into where I hit those jackpots. But I've never went to work. Uh, at the end, I was staying at the casino all day. And I'd sometimes not get home till seven or eight at night. And the next morning I'd do the same thing. Uh, sometimes I was losing thirty, forty, fifty thousand dollars a day. Uh, not only from 
my own money that I was losing, my husband's money that I was losing, but any money that I won, uh, I was always going to leave. And I just never left. I would be driving to the casino in the early morning, screaming at myself in the car, calling myself every name in the book that I'm sure I cannot uh, say <laughs> over the air. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'd, I'd park the car and get out and walk in and just be like, da, 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 you know, normal as anything. And mm. um, the last day, it was November 29th of uh 2020, uh, I got home and I was home by myself and I, uh, had lost everything and I, I have nine kids and, um, I was just devastated. I thought I had been screaming out for help, but I guess I hadn't been yelling loud enough to my family. And I stuck a pistol grip shotgun in my mouth and typed out a text to eight of my kids and my husband telling them I had a major gambling problem. I needed help. Um, I told them how much I had lost, which at that point I did not tell them the truth. Uh, I told them I had lost a couple hundred thousand dollars over a couple of years, and I had lost darn near a million. Hmm. And, um, uh, and most of that was jackpots, but it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? It, I lost. Um, and uh, I sat there for three hours trying to decide, am I going to pull the trigger? Am I going to send the text? And um, eventually I sent the text. So you you're, you sat there with, with a gun essentially in your mouth and a text to your family and were debating send the text or pull the trigger, no in between. Right. There was, there was wow. no. And the sickening part of it, Craig, is I sent the text, and the next morning I went to the casino. That is the sickening part of it. I mean, there, yeah. there is no two ways about it. I, I, I don't. I can't. I don't even know what to say when I think about that. Sometimes today, like I go back to visit. Right. Um, I definitely don't dwell there anymore. Um, but I've gone back to visit, and so you- I. I it's just crazy. You got to a point where you were prepared to die, sent the text admitting not to everything, but admitting that you had at least a problem. And then after having that moment where you're ready to admit it, 24 hours later, went back and did it again. Yeah, it wasn't even 24. It was about 10 hours later. And I assume that's the, your lowest point, right, emotionally? that Either the drive to that casino or the drive back that day, no? Yes. No. Uh, yes. And I think so. Other than, um, that morning after I was done at the casino, cause it didn't take me to lose, you know, I lost a thousand or two that morning and got home. And by that time, uh, thank God my husband and one of my sons had taken action and, um, were devising their own type of intervention. Well, let me stop you right, right there at that spot. We'll take a quick break. We'll continue on with Nancy, uh, out in Kansas who's just got under a year in recovery, and, of course, Dan Trelaro. This is Hello, My Name is Craig. Back to more of Hello, My Name is Craig on The Fan with your host, Craig Carton, and supported by the Council on Compulsive Gambling of New Jersey, 800-GAMBLER. Welcome back to Hello, My Name is Craig. Craig Carton with you, Dan Trelaro, of course, uh, Epic Risk Management, and uh, Nancy uh, out in Kansas. So, Nancy, when you got home after that last 
gambling trip. You you had sent the text, so now your family's aware. All right, mom's got a problem. Your husband's, you know, my wife's got a problem. So they're now going to they're going to react to it immediately. So when you get home from that last casino trip, are they waiting for you when you walk in the door? No, <laughs> they're not. I got a text um, uh, from my son. Um, he, uh, my, my husband owns his own business, and I got a text from my son telling me to be at the shop at 6 p.m. that night. And um, they had um, contacted um, our rabbi, who happens to be um, very close with uh, Arnie W., who uh, is... Yeah, uh, I, I, he's very well known and in GA, and yep. um, they spent a couple hours on the phone with him, and they said you better be here. Mm. And of course, I was quite argumentative, quite um, belligerent, but I knew I better be there. That's interesting. And, it's interesting that you still were that way, considering you uh, owned up to having a problem. And then when they called you on your own words, you were still kind of arrogant about it. I think at that point, I wanted help on my terms. Sure. Well, that's yeah. ego. Right. Yeah. So I I was um, willing to admit it, but I wanted everything done my way. Yeah, well, we're all the same. Like, I, I've told this story in the show before. You know, I went to rehab for uh, a few weeks out in Arizona and came back and went to uh, two casinos uh, after going to rehab because I wanted to prove to myself I could do it responsibly. And it was only going to be on my terms, and that just didn't work for me. I, maybe it does work for other people. I can't – I don't know. But for me, it didn't. I had to eventually give in to the reality that I couldn't do it by myself. And until I figured that part of it out and dropped my ego at the door, there was, there was no talking to me. I wasn't going to get help because I wasn't going to let myself be helped. I absolutely agree with you. I've I've been very fortunate because I I showed up at um, my husband's business that day, and they had me set up. um, And, of course, at that time, we're in a pandemic. And so there were no live meetings, and um, it was a Zoom meeting. Uh, It it was a Florida Daily Zoom meeting, uh, and it wasn't halfway through that meeting that I, I'd already known um, I was a compulsive gambler. I didn't know there was verbiage for it. I knew I was powerless over it. I knew my life was unmanageable. But what I found out in that very first meeting was that was exactly where I wanted to be. And um, it's not for the pandemic. It's not for Zoom. I don't know if I'd have 10 months of such beautiful recovery today, but uh, I, I've just been so blessed. And I'm going to uh, stop you there just for a second, because I want to bring Dan in on that. You know, for a lot of people, myself included, the physical act of walking into a room to discuss your problems with strangers early on until they become you know friends or you know people that you trust in your life is daunting. And I've heard from a lot of people who said exactly what Nancy just said that they may not have ever walked into that room. But because it was on Zoom, it made it easier to do it. Have you guys found a lot of that as well? Oh, and that's why it's so amazing to have Nancy with us today and just hearing this story because that is definitely a trend that we're seeing. We're seeing a move 
since COVID especially started in more telehealth, teletherapy, telemeeting all around the globe. You know, there was a great website link. It was it's gamblersinrecovery.com that really has exploded during Zoom, and it links people to GA meetings, non-GA meetings, just gambler support group meetings all throughout the world. You can virtually link and join any meeting at any time of day. And I think it's knocking down that barrier, Craig. You know, yeah. I agree. Walking into a room of strangers to talk about your 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 deepest, darkest moments, perhaps, is so daunting. And there's an element of safety to a person in this, an element of still being in control. And it kind of dips the toe in the water. And before you know it, Nancy's embraced it like so many others. Virtual meetings make a huge difference. Hey, Nancy, I wonder for you, how long did it take you to ultimately come 100% clean with your husband and your family? Uh, like I am today on the radio, it probably took about 60 days. Um, my family, so when I, at the beginning, I had told you I had only texted eight of my kids. It took about a week to tell my ninth, uh, uh, child. And it took me about four weeks, maybe six weeks, um, to tell my mom, my siblings, um, and then my husband to um, tell him actually how much of our actual money I had lost right. um, that didn't include the jackpots and how much actual time of uh, ours I had stolen from our family, you know, um, how much of my soul I had sold, things like that. What, was there about 90 days. Was there ever a point where he said to you, I knew there was something going on? Or are you yes. just so good at hiding it? No, he he knew. He um he there was a point where he said um that he knew there was something going on. Um and we were arguing at first when I was within the in the first fifteen, thirty days when I was going to the meetings and we were arguing a lot. He, you know, changed all the bank accounts, we took everything out of my name and I was I was pretty pissed off about it still uh today i'm so thankful for that sure and uh he said look i you created this new reality and um today um i look at it like i have to take responsibility for not only myself but the hurt that i caused people and um you know we've known each other for decades right, right. So of course he knew but when we hide in plain sight and we're such good liars it's hard for people to confront that, especially if we're smart. For sure. Talking to Nancy yeah. in Kansas for a few more moments before we wrap it up here today. Um, I, I like to end the show, Nancy, with giving people that are where you were you know, about a year ago or so. And that is the hope that as bad as it seems, as dark as it seems, that we want to avoid those moments that you had where you literally had a pistol in your mouth and you were contemplating pulling the trigger and how real and tangible that depression was that if you do ask somebody for help, if you lean on somebody, that there is a light at the end of the tunnel, that you can get to 10 months in recovery like you are, three years like I am, more than nine years like Dan is. And I wonder if you could just spend a moment or two speaking to that for people who are in that dark room right now, you know, debating on what's next. Sure. Uh, for myself, I think that it is true. It's a very simple program for very complex people, and that's all it is. 
And especially with Zoom, like Dan said, it, it does make it much easier. And if you can't believe in yourself, if you haven't found a higher power, you can make the Zoom meetings your higher power. I have people that love me and that I love that are all over the country, that are all over the world that I may never meet, but they believe in me. There's no judgment. There's just friendship. Um, and it, I can trust it and I can be safe there. And if you're at your lowest low, like I was, there is some place to go because it's safe there. That's how I feel about it. And it worked for me. It saved my life and it can save anybody's life if you let it. What do you do with all that extra brain space you have now, not worrying about money and where you're going to get it from <laughs> and you'll pull the thing, the slot machine? <laughs> I have a couple debts I'm still paying off, Okay. Uh, which thankfully I'm almost done with that. Um, spending time with family and my grandkids. I uh, pray, read literature. Uh, I go to a meeting every night. Um, I suffered a major TBI, uh, which mm -hmm. I'm recovering from beautifully. I'm 90 days out of the hospital. Okay. Uh, I'm wow. writing. I write poetry. I'm getting ready to collaborate with a GA brother to, on a book, hopefully. Um, I'm just living a beautiful life. Good. Well, you should hear this, and I'm sure Dan will tell you the same thing. You know, I'm proud of you, and I'm thankful that you, know, you didn't pull that trigger. I'm thankful that yeah. you got the help you needed, and you should be proud of yourself. Like I'm proud of myself. I'm more than three years in now without wagering in any manner, way, shape, or form, and I feel really good about it and healthy about it. And you know, I've dropped the shame they came with and all those things, that all the negative things associated with it. And there's still mountains to climb and relationships to fix and, you know, financial issues that are not yet totally solved. But life is so much better now. And I'm really proud of you. And I'm glad that you were able to share your story with us because I think people need to hear it. So I thank you for that. Thank you so much because I am so humbled and honored that you would think that I was worthy to to be on your show. I really am. And I, I mean, you're going to make me cry for real. <laughs> no, well, you are worthy. I and, yeah. and you're worthy yeah. of waking up tomorrow morning too. And that's a, that's important. And people in your spot and our spot need to know that Dan, any final thoughts in regards to, you know, where Nancy is, you know, 10 months in and, and the work it takes to get there. Nancy, you're just, you're doing a great job one day at a time. And, and to Craig's point, you know, we are so thankful that you're here today and you are worthy and always know that, you know, we're, we're always, we're people first, right? We don't let the gambling addiction become our identity. We were people with a gambling problem, but we're human beings. We're people. And something you said was that you've, you've found a safe place. We all need a safe place to go. And as we get further from the bet and the gamble, the casino is where we thought the safe place was. But the real safe place right now is where you're living and you're surrounding yourself with great people, great things, and just keep doing it one day at a time. You're a blessing. Thank you, brothers. I really appreciate it. I really do. I and love you both. Enjoy the rest of your weekend, Nancy. We'll hopefully stay in touch. And uh, if that book ever gets published, you let us know because we'll be happy to promote it. Thanks so much, Nancy. Thank you. Talk to you later. You, Dan, good talking to you as always. We'll see you uh, next Saturday as we move closer to uh, Halloween. Now that we're in October, and uh, you have a great weekend, too. Always appreciate your time. Yeah, thanks, Greg. You, too. Evan Roberts coming up next. Uh, this was Hello, My Name is Craig. Appreciate you taking the time to listen to it. If you have a loved one or somebody you know that you think might have a gambling problem of some sort, please reach out, 1-800-GAMBLER, and talk to professionals that can get you the help that they need so that you can help somebody in your life that may have a problem. See you next Saturday at 9.30 and Monday at 2 o'clock. Carton and Roberts right here on The Fan.